In our last lesson, we definitely hit into a lot of the problems in our day. And so now it's time for the hope. As you go through these Isaiah chapters, you are going to see that Isaiah repeatedly references the story of Moses when he talks about Latter-day Israel, when he talks about our day. Why? Well, Because the story is the same. So you're going to hear these terms today. You're going to hear the Latter-day Moses, Latter-day Egypt, Latter-day Israel, Latter-day Plagues, Latter-day Exodus, the Latter-day Pharaoh. And what we're going to do is we're going to explore the story of Moses and we are going to see how that story applies in our day. Now, we've already pretty well established uh, the fact that we are Latter-day Israel today. So it would make sense for us to be called Latter-day Israel. Well, Israel in ancient days was in captivity in Egypt. And Isaiah talks about how in our day, we are still in captivity. But the Lord will send a Latter-day Moses to deliver us. And the deliverance is going to look very like the old Exodus story. So who is this Moses? So we're going to start off first by going actually into third Nephite. This is Jesus Christ when he comes to the Nephites. And when he comes, this is to the Nephites gathered at Bountiful at the temple, he identifies himself as a prophet that Moses prophesied of that would be like Moses in the last days. This is what he says, quote, Behold, I am he of whom Moses spake, saying, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto me. Him shall ye hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be cut off from among the people, end quote. So what is Jesus Christ saying here? Well, he's saying that in Moses' day, Moses prophesied that in the future there would come a man who would be like Moses and who would lead the people. And Jesus Christ is saying, that's me. He is the master. Now, if you think about the story of Moses, the first time Moses came, he came as a prince. He was raised in the home of Pharaoh, and he looked forward to the day when he would probably have the authority and the ability to deliver his people, who were the Israelites, from bondage, from slavery. And he began trying to help them. And there was an incident where he actually killed an Egyptian who was beating a Hebrew man. But instead of turning to Moses and saying, oh, thank you, Moses, you've come to save us. Thank you. They turned and they responded to Moses by saying, who made you the ruler over us? In other words, like, who put you in charge? Like, get out of our space. We're just fine the way that we are. And Moses actually ended up getting in trouble for that incident. He had to flee Egypt and he was in the wilderness for 40 years until he came back. Now, if you go to lesson five in the Simplifying Isaiah series, we talked about how Jesus Christ and both Joseph Smith and our day too, there's this prophecy in Isaiah about how when they come the first time, they'll be rejected. Their mission will seem to, quote unquote, fail in a sense, where they feel like, you know what, we had a goal, but the people don't want it. And so we have to leave. But the Lord promises that the day will come when that mission will be accomplished. And this is what happened for Moses. 
after 40 long years in the wilderness, he comes back. And when he comes back that time, he comes back with power. So we can see Jesus Christ as a beautiful type of a Latter-day Moses or the Latter-day Moses, I should say, in our day. He is the deliverer of Israel. But there's another step deeper than this. And that is the fact that if you actually go into many of Joseph Smith's blessings and even scripture, Jesus Christ identifies Joseph Smith as a Latter-day Moses in our day. Now, why would this be? Does this put them in competition with each other? Well, no. If we go to Doctrine and Covenants section 5, verse 8, Jesus Christ is speaking to Joseph Smith about our day, our dispensation, us as a people. And he's not too happy with us. He says, quote, This unbelieving and stiff-necked generation, mine anger is kindled against them. In other words, I have things to say to them. I have a desire. I have a mission for them and they don't want it and they're rejecting. They're unbelieving and they're stiff-necked. So Jesus Christ explains what he's going to do. He says, behold, verily, I say unto you, I have reserved those things which I have entrusted unto you, my servant Joseph, for a wise purpose in me, and it shall be made known unto future generations. Now, the context of this is portions of the Book of Mormon that have not been given to us at this present time. And Jesus Christ says, you know what? People aren't ready for it. They're unbelieving. So I'm going to keep it away from them. But he says, this generation shall have my word through you. In other words, in our day, our generation, our dispensation, Jesus Christ cannot come yet. We are not ready for him. We don't want to listen to him, unfortunately. Um, And so instead, Jesus Christ says, you know what? I'm going to try. Maybe they'll hear you, Joseph Smith. Maybe they'll listen to you. They won't listen to me, but maybe they will listen to you. And so I'm going to speak through you. And the rest of the section, this is when Jesus Christ calls also the three witnesses and, and sets up another pattern so that they can have that witness and testimony of Joseph Smith. But the point of this section or these few verses in DNC 5 is that Jesus Christ sent a messenger in our day to prepare us so that one day, hopefully, we are ready to listen to Jesus Christ. And he commands us, listen to this messenger. Now, of course, Joseph Smith struggled in his day. Some people listened, some people didn't. And today that's only escalated. Today, Joseph Smith is a huge figure of controversy and contention, even among members of the church. Uh, The way scholars view him versus uh, prophets versus uh, traditionalist members versus more progressive ideologies. Joseph Smith is a battleground, but it's really not a battleground about Joseph Smith. It's really a battleground about Jesus Christ. And if we want to hear the Latter-day Moses. So there are repeated statements from Joseph Smith's blessings, scripture, and more that Jesus Christ called Joseph Smith as the Latter-day Moses. Again, how does that work with Jesus Christ? Well, I want to use the example of Joseph in Egypt just to illustrate this um, briefly before we go into it. If you think about the story of Joseph in Egypt, Pharaoh who you could say is kind of a symbol of Jesus Christ, Pharaoh is on the throne. And Pharaoh has this situation where Egypt is going to be heading into seven years of famine after seven years of plenty. How does he solve this problem? Well, he appoints Joseph of Egypt and he gives him all of the authority in the land. In fact, Pharaoh says, only in the throne will I be greater than you. In every other way, he gives Joseph, Pharaoh gives Joseph 
all of the keys, the authority, the stewardship to go and save the people from famine. Well, that whole story is a symbolic metaphor of our day, Jesus Christ and Joseph Smith. Jesus Christ is the king. He is the prince. He is the ultimate savior of Israel. But he delegates that authority, and we're going to see this in these blessings to Joseph Smith. He delegates authority to Joseph Smith to act under his direction. And the two are really this team together. This is what President Joseph Fielding Smith said when he said, quote, we link the names of Jesus Christ and of Joseph Smith, end quote. He's not saying that Joseph Smith replaces Jesus Christ, but they're so linked together in their mission and their voice, you cannot separate them. President Joseph F. Smith, who was Hiram Smith's son, said, quote, The day will come, and it is not far distant either, when the name of the prophet Joseph Smith will be coupled with the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of God, as his representative, as his agent, whom he chose, ordained, and set apart to lay anew the foundations of the church of God in the world, end quote. And remember the scripture where Jesus Christ says, whether by my voice or by the voice of my servants, it is the same. So with that understanding that Jesus Christ has this mission to save Israel and that he delegates part of that mission to Joseph Smith, and we're going to see that in his blessings, let's proceed into seeing whether Joseph Smith truly is the Latter-day Moses in our day. So let's talk about the story of Moses and Israel for a second in the days of the Exodus. Israel was in bondage, complete bondage to what? Well, if you think about what Egypt was, it was a corrupt, tyrannical government. So Israel has lost their freedom and their liberty. Egypt was also the center of apostate religions. They took away Israel's freedom, they enslaved them, and they had an agenda. The Pharaoh had an agenda to destroy the Israelite bloodline. Now let's think about Israel today. Let's think about us today. Do we live in a latter-day Egypt? Do we have financial bondage? And are we dependent on an economic system that's fraying at the seams? Do we struggle with the growing threat of communism and socialism? Is the Constitution hanging by a thread today? Are Christians persecuted? Is the knowledge of Israelite covenants and bloodline being erased? Erased from our history? Erased from our common knowledge and just common dialogue? Is there ignorance of scripture? Is, is there a Babylonian culture? Yes. If you study Egypt and you look at today, you realize that, yes, we are in Latter-day Egypt and we need to be rescued. We need to be saved. So in Moses's day, God called Moses to deliver Israel from bondage. He says, let my people go. And Moses comes back that second time. You know, the first time Israel says, nope, we we don't want you here. We don't like your way of doing things. Um, you need to go. But the second time Moses comes back, they're ready to hear. And Moses calls down plagues on Egypt, frogs, boils, darkness. Uh, the water is turned into blood. Um, there's the situation where they come to the Red Sea, where he has to open this highway to save Israel from Pharaoh's army. And Moses gives them the law. He brings them into the wilderness and he says, here, let's get you a tabernacle set up. Let's teach you the ordinances. Let's teach you the commandments. And it is the same in our day. Joseph Smith was given a blessing by his father, who was the patriarch of the church. And in this blessing, he was called and given the blessings of Moses. This is a quote from History of the Church. Quote, 
my father anointed my head and sealed upon me the blessings of Moses to lead Israel in the latter days, even as Moses led him in days of old. In other words, Joseph Smith is given this divine mission and blessing. Joseph, you are to lead Israel just as Moses did. He says, also, I was given the blessings of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. All of the presidency laid their hands upon me and pronounced upon my head many prophecies and blessings, many of which I shall not notice at this time, end quote. In other words, Joseph Smith says, a lot of this isn't going to happen now. I'm not going to go into a lot of this. It's just not really the right time. But in summary, I was given a calling and a mission to Israel in the last days, what Moses was to ancient Israel. Now, could Joseph Smith fulfill this mission without keys? Well, no. So who comes to the Kirtland Temple to give Joseph Smith keys to lead Israel as Moses did? Moses himself. This is in Doctrine and Covenants section 110, quote, The heavens were again opened unto us, and Moses appeared before us and committed unto us the keys of the gathering of Israel from the four parts of the earth, and the leading of the ten tribes from the land of the north. So who is the one who holds the keys, the stewardship, and the authority for this mission? I mean, anyone can claim to have this mission. And there are a lot of people today who say, oh, the Latter-day Moses is going to be so-and-so or this person or this or that person in the future. But at the end of the day, you cannot complete a mission without keys and without authority. Who is the one who was given the keys and the authority to lead Israel as Moses did? Joseph Smith in the Kirtland Temple. The theme of Moses saving Israel was actually a prominent theme in the early days of the church. This is a verse from the original lyrics of the Spirit of God, quote, Old Israel that fled from the world for his freedom must come with a cloud and the pillar amain. A Moses and Aaron and Joshua lead him and feed him on manna from heaven again. We'll sing and we'll shout and and then the chorus continues, of course. So again, you see this theme. The saints and the pioneers are singing about this in the Kirtland Temple. They're saying, we're Israel and we are going to be gathered again just as Moses did. If you go to the Joseph Smith translation of Genesis 50, again, there is this parallel theme. Joseph of Egypt is prophesying about it this time where he talks about Moses and he talks about Joseph Smith. And sometimes he goes back and forth between the two. And just parallels them so beautifully that sometimes you're like, well, who is he talking about? And the truth is, most of the time he's talking about both um, because they had such similar missions. So it's really beautiful. If you go into Joseph Smith translation, again, this is from Genesis 50. It's a beautiful testimony to Joseph Smith and his parallels with Moses and how their missions overlap and are very similar. And then this is one of the most compelling um, evidences of Joseph Smith as the Latter-day Moses in a blessing given to him in 1835. He was promised, quote, from amid the burning bush, like Moses of old, shall he hear the voice saying, I am the God of thy fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people and am come down to deliver them. Right? So in the last days, God can see our heartache and our sorrow and the struggles that we're going through. And so he will speak and he's going to speak to Joseph Smith as Moses. And he's going to say, I have seen the sorrows of my people. Here's my solution. 
And his solution is that he is going to speak to Joseph Smith like Moses and say, Go thou and say to the strength of my house, to your tents, O Israel, build up the waste, raise up the foundation of desolation that this generation has made. Thus shall he be honored of the Lord. And thus shall it be recorded of him that the generations to come may bless his name in Israel. End quote. In other words, Joseph Smith is going to lead Israel to come out from Egypt, to come out from bondage, to rebuild. And for generation after generation after generation, Joseph Smith's name will be remembered and his legacy will be honored as the one who saved Israel. Again, this is from his blessing in 1835. So let's remember the story of Israel. At first, Israel rejects Moses. And after rejecting Moses, their affliction and their slavery escalates. It's very similar to in our day. Joseph Smith came and he said, let's build Zion in Missouri. Let's build Zion in Kirtland. Let's build Zion in Nauvoo. And the saints struggled with that. The people of the United States rejected him. And so he was martyred. And what has happened since that time? Our freedom has definitely not increased. Our uh, success as a society, as a world, as a people has not grown until we've come into Zion. Instead, we are struggling and we're at the lowest, one of the lowest points um, at this time in history than we've ever been. So our affliction and our slavery has escalated. So what is the solution? Well, this is from one of Joseph Smith's blessings. It says, quote, In due time shall he, Joseph Smith, go forth toward the north, and by the power of his word shall the deep begin to give way, and the ice melt before the sun. By the keys of the kingdom, there's that importance of authority and keys again, remember, but by the keys of the kingdom shall he lead Israel into the land of Zion, while the house of Jacob shouts in the dance and in the song, Joy, O oh my heart, in that day, with thanksgiving and with praise. For thou shalt stand with him before the hosts of Israel. The lame shall leap as a heart, the old shall renew his strength, and the virgin of Israel, with the youth, shall exalt the name of our God upon harps and instruments of tense strings. In other words, deliverance is coming, and Joseph Smith is in charge of leading that movement of freedom. Doctrine and Covenants 133 alludes to this when it talks about the gathering of Israel from the north countries, and it uses imagery of Moses. It talks about the rocks being smitten and the highway being cast up in the midst of the great deep. That's an illusion or using the imagery of Moses leading Israel through the Red Sea. Enemies becoming a prey and barren deserts. They're coming forth pools of living water. You cannot understand scripture without understanding that everything God does is about imagery and it's about symbolism and allegories and metaphors. And what the Lord is trying to do is he's trying to say, guys, I'm going to talk about your deliverance in the last days. And I'm going to use all of this imagery of Moses with the first Exodus. And why? Because it's going to be the same. It's going to look the same. There's going to be parallels everywhere. So look back to Moses, kind of like Nephi did with his brothers, where he keeps telling them, let's be like Moses. Let's be strong like Moses. In the same way, in our day, we're going to be able to understand what God is doing if we understand his pattern and that what he did before, God is going to do again. This is part, just a small part of what Hiram Smith meant when he said, 
There were prophets before, but Joseph has the spirit and the power of all the prophets. And one of those prophets is Moses. We're going to turn also to Doctrine and Covenants section 103. And the context of this is Jesus Christ speaking to Joseph Smith and the Latter-day Saints about the redemption of Zion. This is during all the conflict in Missouri and the persecution. And the Lord says, Therefore, I will raise up unto my people a man who shall lead them like as Moses led the children of Israel. Verily, verily, I say unto you that my servant Joseph Smith Jr. is the man to whom I likened the servant to whom the Lord of the vineyard spake in the parable which I have given unto you, end quote. Now, if you read the entire section of 103 and you read section 101, it's very clear the two go together. And it's very clear that the Lord is promising that in the last days after you know, the Latter-day Saints, Latter-day Israel is struggling and they're trying to get up with the program of the church, the program that the Lord is setting out here, that the Lord is going to redeem them just as Moses redeemed the children of Israel and he's going to bring them back. And there is an entire parable. It's the parable of the vineyard in section 101. And the Lord sends a man to redeem Israel in the last days. And then if you go to 103, the Lord is saying that man is Joseph Smith. If you read it in context, it is so clear. It is so plain. George Q. Cannon talked a little bit about these parallels with Moses when he said, quote, We wonder now how it was possible for the Egyptians to reject the testimony of Moses and Aaron. But to my mind, the great work in which we are engaged is far greater than the work that was performed by Moses. I reverence the work Moses performed. I look upon it as a great work. But this work of the last days is a far greater work. The gathering of the saints together from the various nations is a far more stupendous work to my mind than the gathering of Israel from Egypt to the land of Canaan. I would not be guilty of undervaluing the work Moses performed or of attaching to it a light importance, for I value it highly. But with Moses, it was different to what it has been with the leaders of Israel in these days." End quote. The parallels between Joseph Smith and Moses continue. Here's just a few more. In Doctrine and Covenants section 28, the Lord says, Behold, verily, verily, I say unto thee, no one shall be appointed to receive commandments and revelations in this church, excepting my servant Joseph Smith Jr., for he receiveth them even as Moses. End quote. There is also a statement in Wilford Woodruff's journal. This is in 1837, where Wilford Woodruff recorded, quote, Elder Brigham Young, one of the twelve, gave us an interesting exhortation and warned us not to murmur against Moses or Joseph or the heads of the church, end quote. So as we read these sections and we notice this imagery and this vocabulary of Moses and the ties that were being made to Joseph Smith, I think we should not treat this too lightly because then when we go into the Isaiah chapters, as you're reading this week, you will see that again, Isaiah talks about Moses as well. And he uses the imagery of Moses being saved and he uses the imagery of Latter-day Egypt, Latter-day Pharaoh to teach us about our day. There is a reason and it is important. Now, if you go into Joseph Smith's patriarchal blessings, Again, we've referenced this in previous lessons, but you can find links to those on our website. You will see that Joseph Smith's patriarchal blessing and his other blessings talk 
often about Joseph Smith doing work in the last days with Latter-day signs, destructions, plagues, and things like that. So there's definitely parallels with Moses' story uh, with the Latter-day destructions. Um, but there's also another aspect, and we're going to close out with this, and that is that Moses was the revealer of Jesus Christ's word to the people in his day. In fact, if you look at Moses, Moses is really, he's the one who gives them the creation story. He's the one who gives them the laws. And for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, the people of Israel had many incredible prophets that came, right? Elijah, Elisha, um, even Joshua and others, Samuel. But they all, all, even those prophets, all looked back to Moses. Moses was the founding voice, and then all of the other prophets built on that foundation. It is the same in our day. So Elder Bruce McConkie gave a talk titled, This Generation Shall Have My Word Through You. Notice that reference to Doctrine and Covenants section 5 that we started out with. And he explained, quote, Every dispensation head is a revealer of Christ for his day. And every other prophet or apostle who comes is a reflection and an echo and an exponent of the dispensation head. All such come to echo to the world and to expound and unfold what God has revealed through the man who was appointed to give his eternal word to the world for that era. And such is the dispensation concept. So what Elder McConkie is explaining here is understanding Joseph Smith's relation. Because sometimes people say, why are we talking about Joseph Smith so much? He's been dead for over a hundred years. And yeah, his teachings are great, but do they really matter that much? What does he have to do with my life now? Well, Elder McConkie is explaining that Joseph Smith is the head of our dispensation. In other words, nothing happens in our day. No revelation is given. Nothing happens, whether in the church or out of the church, with priesthood authority, without coming through Joseph Smith. Joseph Smith is the one in charge of the entire dispensation under Jesus Christ, of course. And Joseph Smith still holds those keys and he still holds that authority. So how does that work with all of the other amazing presidents of the church that we have had? You know, Brigham Young, John Taylor, Wilford Woodruff, Joseph F. Smith, just start going down the line, right? All the way to our day today. Well, Elder McConkie explains, yes, every single one of those men holds authority and they hold authority to build on the foundation that Joseph Smith set and to echo what Joseph Smith gave out because Joseph Smith is above them and he is the leader of the dispensation. And now all of us together and the presidents of the church are trying to echo and carry forth that mission under Joseph Smith. Elder McConkie continues, quote, there are added revelations we could receive, and I hope will receive as we manage to get in tune with the Spirit. But the great reservoir of revelation for our dispensation, meaning the things that we need to know to govern our conduct in order to gain an eternal life, these things have already been given, and there will not be great added reservoirs of substantive revelation that will come before the second coming because of the wickedness of the world. Some of that wickedness spills over and prevails among the Latter-day Saints. So this is key because sometimes a people may say, wait, are you saying that there's like this barrier between God and us and, and we have to go through Joseph Smith to get there? But you have to understand that as Jesus Christ said in Doctrine and Covenant section five, he came. 
He came, he walked the earth, and he was crucified. He was rejected. He wants to come again, but we're not ready for him as a people. And so he is sending messengers to us to give us the message in a way that hopefully we will receive, we will accept. He's sending a John the Baptist in our day, um, Joseph Smith, to prepare the way for the Lord, to prepare us so that we can come to God. Elder McConkie finishes his statement saying, this generation shall have my word through you, quoting Doctrine and Covenants section five. He says, Joseph Smith has given the word and we echo the message. President Gordon B. Hinckley actually added his own testimony to this. As president of the church, he emphasized that this is how it works. He said, quote, we have a great body of revelation, the vast majority of which came from the prophet Joseph Smith. So just in context, this was an interview that President Hinckley did where he was asked, you know, what does it feel like to be a prophet, you know, like Moses and get revelation? And, and this was his response. He said, you know what? we already have a lot of revelation. And he continued, we don't need much revelation. We need to pay more attention to the revelation we've already received. This is a pretty strong statement from President Hinckley here as a president of the church saying, you know what? We don't need a lot more. What we need to do is pay attention to what we already have. He says, now, if a problem should arise on which we don't have an answer, we pray about it. We may fast about it and it comes. We don't need a lot of continuing revelation. We have a great basic reservoir of revelation, end quote. President Hinckley again reiterated this during his Christmas devotional in 2003. He said, quote, I look to Joseph Smith. I love him. I seek to follow him. I read his words and they become the standards to be observed in guiding this great church as it moves forward in fulfilling its eternal destiny, end quote. That is a perfect example for us. If President Hinckley, as a president of the church, was studying Joseph Smith, following Joseph Smith, and using Joseph Smith as the standard, how much more should we? So in closing, as you are reading these Isaiah chapters this week, and you're really pondering the story of Moses and the parallels with our day, Realize that God knows we are Israel today in bondage, but he has a plan and he promises, this is in 2 Nephi 20, that we will be saved just as Israel was in the days of Egypt. Jesus Christ wants to come and save us. He wants to, but do we care about him? We need to ask ourselves the question. We talk often about how we love Jesus Christ, but do we honestly and genuinely and sincerely care? Because if so, what did he ask us to do? There are a lot of people who do not like Joseph Smith right now. There are a lot of scholars and authors and historians who are seeking to, in their own words, take him off the pedestal that past presidents of the church have put him on. And there is a growing animosity or just disgust for him in general, or just a low estimation of his character. The ancient Jews knew they were Israel. They knew their lineage and they knew what the covenants were, but how much good did it do them when Jesus Christ came and they refused to acknowledge the proper authority and submit? Just the same. It is the same in our day. 
we can know we're Israel. We can know the covenants. We can partake of the covenants in the temple. We can partake of the covenants in baptism. But how much good is it going to do if we are not willing to recognize the way that Jesus Christ and the call that Jesus Christ has given us and the leaders that he has given to us? Jesus Christ and Joseph Smith are a team together. Remember Jesus Christ's words, this generation shall have my word through you. Many years ago, there was a homeschool family in our community. This was in Utah when I was growing up that had a son who committed suicide. And there were a lot of other families that were just struggling and and just having some challenges. And my dad was really pondering and praying, what can we do to help them? Like, we have got to turn around so much of the suffering and the heartbreak in this world. And as he was pondering this, the answer came to him through the Spirit. He just heard the simple words, I am the way. And it was that moment where the light bulb goes on and he thought, of course, oh my goodness, yes, Jesus Christ is the way. It's so simple. Like, duh, this is not hard. This is not complicated. But then he started thinking about it and he and he began praying. He said, okay, yes, Jesus Christ is the way. I, I can see that. But everyone has a different idea of who Jesus Christ is. Everyone has uh, a different picture in their mind and a different opinion about what he would do, what he would say, how he would respond to a situation. So how do we come to know the real Jesus Christ? Because there's only one Jesus Christ, not millions. So who is he really? So he was praying about this. And how do we as a people come to know who the real Jesus Christ is? And the distinct impression came to his mind, I have sent my servant. This was my dad's own testimony to add as a witness to the testimonies of President Hinckley and Elder McConkie and and the scriptures that Joseph Smith was sent as the Latter-day Moses in our day to point us back to the greater Latter-day Moses, the Son of God, Jesus Christ, and that Jesus Christ is the way, and that if we will listen, Joseph Smith was trying to help us understand who Jesus Christ is and what he wants us to do. And I just want to add my own witness and my own testimony to that. I grew up in a very active home, studying the scriptures from a very, very young age. Uh, You couldn't escape from the scriptures in our house. They were everywhere. But I had to come to know who Jesus Christ was for myself. And there were actually periods in my life where I felt a disconnect. And I felt like I didn't really understand or feel a connection to him as a person. I felt like I understood God the Father and I loved and I, I just got the Father. It was just easy for me to see. Um, but Jesus Christ, I I struggled with actually genuinely getting that deep connection for myself. And today I can say that that attitude has changed. And you know what the difference was? The difference was turning to Joseph Smith. It was Joseph Smith and Joseph Smith's teachings and choosing to submit to what he asked of us to do and actually taking the time. You know, I always had a testimony of the Book of Mormon and I always loved Joseph Smith, but actually saying, you know what? I'm going to go study what he said about government. I'm going to go pull out his sermons and I'm going to invest the time 
sacrifice the time, um, time that I feel like I don't have all the time. Um, but I'm going to go sacrifice that time to go study those teachings. And I'm going to come to know who he was and the example he set. And as I did that, I came closer to Jesus Christ, closer than any other man or any other means had ever led me to before. It gave me an awakening. It gave me a new understanding of the gospel and myself, my identity and my mission in a way that I will never be the same person again. And that can happen to you. I just want to leave that testimony with you. Joseph Smith came to lead us to Jesus Christ. He has the way. He can save Latter-day Israel if we will decide to turn our hearts and just follow in the path that he has opened for us.